Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. The Cyrenaic School was started by Aristippus, a student of Socrates, and it had a primarily hedonistic point of view or orientation. There were several reinterpreters of this school in its history, one of the most interesting of which was talked about by Diogenes Laertes in book six of his Lives of the Philosophers is this guy Theodorus. And we find that, you know, he's studied with several different people and he's bringing some new points of view into Cyrenaic philosophy. And probably the most important of which is sort of a modification of the conception of what the end or the the goal, the scopos, the telos of life actually is. The thing that we should fundamentally orient ourselves by. So a hedonistic school takes pleasure and pain to be primary. The things that are fundamentally motivating us everything else needs to be evaluated in terms of those. And you could say that perhaps Theodorus's reinterpretation takes us somewhat away from hedonism in some important respects, not least because he says that joy, charis in in Greek, it's an emotion, right? And grief is how it's translated here, lupe, which we can also translate as pain. But interestingly, in the discussions of the Cyrenaic school, it's other terms besides lupe that have been used primarily, for example, ponos and alges, right? So joy and grief or or being upset are the ends, the good end and the bad end of life. And he's going to identify wisdom and justice as actual goods, agatha, with joy. And wisdom is integral to promoting joy. He goes on and he actually says it's brought about by wisdom or, you know, it's in accordance with wisdom, you might say. And then the opposite habits. So what are the opposite habits to wisdom and justice? Uh, Foolishness, afrone, right? And injustice are the evils that bring about grief. And so the idea seems to be here, because it's not sketched out in great detail, that by behaving wisely, by behaving justly, you will enjoy joy. You will enjoy a good life. And if you're instead motivated by the opposites, then you're going to have grief. And then, interestingly enough, so we've got, you know, goods and evils, Agatha and Kaka, pleasure, Hedone, and pain, Ponos, are said to be middle states. They're not said to be indifferent, but they are intermediate to good and evil, you could say. So they're somehow neutral or in between. And this seems to be taking us away from a much more direct hedonism and towards a more sophisticated type, you could say. So that's one main reinterpretation. Another one that was 
quite important for discussion. How do hedonists look at friendship, philia, in Greek? And this doesn't just name like close friends. This names all of these relationships where we might call somebody, you know, a friend, a companion, a lover, all those sorts of things. And we find that Theodorus actually rejects friendship for some interesting reasons. You get the idea that this is a person who liked to argue quite a bit and whether or not the arguments were particularly good, he would make them as we see with some of the arguments that he is said to have made, which are real sophisms. But the rejection of friendship, it doesn't exist, he claims, between the wise and the unwise right? But it also doesn't exist between the unwise themselves. And it also doesn't exist between the wise themselves. So why not? Well, because the unwise, like he's going to say, whatever we're going to call friendship, it goes away when the need or use is removed, taken away, the chreya, then the unwise cease to be friends with each other. They start behaving in different ways towards each other, right? They're like, well, don't need you anymore. You're not helpful. Or, you know, maybe it could be in terms of pleasure. I'm not enjoying the pleasure of your company or enjoying having sex with you or enjoying playing games with you. No more friendship, right? The wise, on the other hand, he claims are going to be self-sufficient, autarkes, right? And this is a very important term for ancient Greek philosophy. Autarkeia, we typically translate as self-sufficiency. It's having what you need. And so the wise, they've already got everything they need for a good life. So they don't actually need friends. And because of that, they're not going to waste their time or spend their time trying to make friends, trying to cultivate friendships. They're already good as they are. And perhaps, you know, Theodorus is an example of this himself. He's also famous for having said that he's a citizen of the world. This notion of cosmopolitanism that we see being important in other schools, for example, the Cynic school and the Stoic school. But he's also got some interesting things about seemingly wrong actions, things that we would typically say are bad to do, like stealing, right? So theft is a bad action. Adultery, very, you know, dimly looked at in the ancient world. And adultery means basically screwing anybody who already is connected with somebody else. And so you could be an adulterer by having sex with somebody else who's married, even if you're not married. Sacrilege, the, the word there is literally, it references the holy, right? Or the sacred, hero to, you know, mess around with holy things. And he says that these are okay sometimes, chiron, right? So in the right time, these are admissible. Now, why is that the case? Well, because he thinks that nothing is really right or wrong per se, but it's really a matter of there being sort of a, a prejudice against them. They're not shameful. They're not things that we should be embarrassed about. Once we remove that prejudice, that doxe from them, why? Well, because we keep these up, this prejudice, in order to hold, as he says, the foolish multitude together, the people who don't know much of anything, or perhaps even think themselves wise, even though they're not, they need to be kept in check. 
And we see here that this is kind of similar to what was said about the Cyrenaic Sage. They don't actually need rules. The rules are for the ordinary people because the ordinary people are, are misguided. He also makes a similar line of argument about what is okay and what's not, which is a little bit more developed. And interestingly, in the translation here, a little bit of prudishness, they actually left out a couple lines. So he's got this argument, is a woman who's skilled in grammar useful insofar as she's skilled in grammar? And so the person says, yes. Is a boy or a youth skilled in grammar useful insofar as they're skilled in grammar? Yes. And grammatikos is the word there. Literally somebody who can do grammar correctly. So there's a kind of usefulness in that, a kind of goodness, a kind of benefit to other people. And then he changes the topic slightly. What about a woman who is beautiful? Is she useful insofar as she is beautiful? And they say, yes. And then, well, what about a youth or, you know, a boy? Yes, as well. And is the use of beauty to be enjoyed? And they say, yes. And then when this was admitted, he would press the argument to the conclusion, the person who uses anything for the purpose for which it is useful does no wrong. And the language here is a little bit complicated here. He says, atis plesiasmo chromenos, the person who's using the thing that they have, you know, approached, the thing that they are making use of, parhoson chresimosestin, in accordance or along the lines of what it is useful for, u dia martene, right? They don't thereby, dia, do something wrong. They don't sin is another way. They don't morally... So, you know, what is the implications of this? Well, anything that's got a proper use, if you're using it for that. So, you know, what would it be for beauty? Perhaps enjoying the company of the person, right? Having them hanging around, you know, perhaps having sex with them or other sorts of pleasurable, joy-inspiring activities. Well, then that would be the proper use, according to Theodorus, right? And this could go against social mores just as much as the other seemingly wrong actions. So we can think of, you know, should you commit adulterous relations with the beautiful woman? Well, you know, what are beautiful people for? We could make this gender neutral as well. Any person who's attractive, even if they're involved in a relationship or, you know, we can think about theft, right? I like this thing over here. That person's not really using it. I'll go take it and use it for myself. Theodorus would say that that is okay. And so, you know, this really does seem to be a little bit at odds with the fact that it's wisdom and justice that are the goods. It's a rather unusual kind of wisdom, you know, freeing oneself of social expectations and restrictions. And you can say, well, how is this connected with justice and injustice? And there isn't an answer in this little summary here. And then, you know, what else do we learn about the guy? There's a few anecdotes told about him where he's making rather sophistical arguments. And we don't need to worry an awful lot about that. But these are the distinctives of the Theodoran reinterpretation of the Cyrenaic ethics and what it was that his school and followers actually taught and thought. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. 
You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.